over the notes of Giuseppe Verdi. Meantime, for another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio told like it is and always at the highest level. Frank Crivello here. Glad you're uh, back along with us. As always, joining this host, Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank, on this uh, international break. <laughs> Yeah, just at the end of it now, back to the clubs. Finally, uh, finally. So, um, yeah, so it's uh, uh, definitely, uh, definitely some uh, some good some good games coming up to look forward to. Uh, so, how are things? Uh, things are going pretty well. Uh, staying busy in uh, personal life, and then uh, trying to you know trying to keep up with all these games going on. Uh, you know, starting to get into this United. Uh, what are they called? The UEFA Nations League. Starting to get into it. So. Uh, it's uh, certainly got a lot of drama with these three team uh, groups, and you know anything can happen. Anybody can be relegated, as we this, saw with. This U- I'm sorry, say that again. I was saying anything can happen, as we can, as you saw with uh, Germany, the the former champions going out uh, today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I've got to say that um, uh, this this format has won me over. I definitely enjoy it, and I I know that there's still a lot of naysayers out it about it. I mean, mainly the clubs because their best players are probably playing a little bit more during the international breaks than they would care to uh, see. But for us as fans, it's 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 been some compelling stuff. Um, you know, we're talking about a competition where you know you can't make any mistakes in, when you're in that top zone and ask Poland and ask Germany and uh, you know to another extent. Croatia is at risk right now. I mean, we're talking about the team that was in the World Cup final this summer, and they're going to be—they possibly could be going from, you know, Zone A to Zone B. Uh, you know, when when the Nations League, uh, you know, gets up and running again uh, down the road. So, a um, lot of a uh, lot of interesting uh, things happening uh, with this, and uh, it's it's definitely something that uh, I've taken a liking to, and. Uh, you know, I think as as time goes on, this is something that's gonna that's gonna stick, and the neutral's gonna catch on. So, um, you know, so let's see. Um, here on the city, I sit down. Uh, you, you wonder, well, what are you what are you doing doing a podcast with Celia off? Well, we can talk Azuri. Um, we uh, we never take a break, even though Serie A might take a break. Uh, Italy in action in the UEFA Nations League at Poland. We're gonna cover that. Uh, we're going to have, uh, a, uh, a segment today called over under Richard. Um, I've come up with three topics. I have picked the numbers and, uh, I'm going to ask you over or under on them. Uh, so, um, we'll see what Richard's take is and I'll offer what my take is on it. And of course that said, I'll sit down on Twitter or Instagram. If you hear this and want to weigh in on, the over-under, you're welcome to do that. And then, uh, of course, a uh, small matter of Darby della Madonnina coming up on October 21st, Richard, uh, Inter and Milan. Yeah, I've heard of this. I've heard of this event. Uh, it, it's going to be certainly the showcase of the weekend. I mean, I don't care who else plays that weekend. That's going to be the epic game, probably in all of Europe. Oh, for sure. Um, definitely excited for uh, that. It's always something special when uh, the two teams from Milan uh, hook up and that's uh, no different this time, especially considering that the form that each team is in, but we'll get into that later. Let's get back to uh, the Azzurri and uh, we're going to talk more about their UEFA Nations League match against Poland. Uh, they opened this international break with a friendly against the Ukraine that ended in a 1-1 draw, Richard. Um, Bernadeschi with the goal uh, to put Italy in front. A little bit of a howler by Piatov and uh, a little bit yeah. harsh on Piatov. He had a 
really nice game up until that point. Um, Ukraine getting the equalizer, which uh, you're harsh. You're going to be harsh on Donnarumma for. Um, I can see your point there. Uh, but uh, overall impressions, let's just uh, be real quick about the friendly against the Ukraine. Your overall impressions from what you saw. This uh, new young Azuri uh, with a false nine, if you will, have been quite impressive, uh, much better than I thought was going to be the case. And um, yeah, they've, they've brought back the possession game and the defense. And that's what I was curious to see if Mancini could correct. The goals will come, but uh, so far, so good. I like the youngsters. Yeah, I mean, and this was uh, the system that he played and the lineup that he played uh, was the lineup that he went with uh, with a couple of tweaks uh, in the game at Poland. But he stuck with the same front three uh, with uh, Federico Chiesa, Lorenzo Insigne, and Federico Benedeschi. Uh, stuck with the same midfield of Verratti, Jorginho, and uh, Nicolo Barrera here on the Serie A sit-down. Didn't I say something about uh, I want Jorginho in that regista role with Verratti playing to a side of him, and uh, lo and behold, that's what Mancini did, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we we certainly didn't want to see both of them playing in the kind of regista role or holding midfield, uh, but we wanted to see Jorginho for sure in that regista, and he did, and Verratti played more of an attacking role, and I think it suited both of them quite well, gave them space, and they were allowed to uh, hold possession, carve up the defense in front of them, and uh, I thought it was a match made in heaven, really. Excellent. Yes, absolutely. And then uh, uh, to round out that lineup, uh, Gianluigi Donnarumma did start in goal uh, for the Azzurri, and it was a back four of Alessandro Florenzi, Leonardo Bonucci, Giorgio Chiellini, and Cristiano Biraghi. Um, you know, let's start with the first half. And, uh, you know, one of the uh, one of the first big chances for Italy came after a nice little bit of interplay where it was laid back to Jorginho. He tries a curler uh, that hits the woodwork. Um, boy, just numerous chances beyond that. Italy monopolizing the possession. I mean, when you see a lineup like this, Richard, and we talked about this uh, on last week's edition, when we saw Azzurri's called up a you know team, uh, Mancini's called up Azzurri, I should say, <laughs> getting kind of <laughs> mind is working faster than my mouth again. So you're excited uh, about the team. I understand. I know it's exciting when you watch this, and you know, and but. But um, we said this is in Italy with intent. It was very, very clear to see, and right. they showed it not just in the friendly against the Ukraine, but when you saw this first half, just a dominant performance um, from uh, from the Italy. They went to Poland. They went on the road at a European opponent, and they took the game to them. Um, for the, for all the years I have watched the Italian national team, I can't think of many times I could say that about Italy. Yeah, it's it's very rare. Italy is known to be a defensive team, sit back and wait and counter and that kind of, all that kind of jazz. Uh, this team showed they look like they want to go out there and score, dominate the game, and they did dominate the game. Um, they eventually did, did get the goal, but um, I like what I see here, and it's been a long time, like you said, since we've seen this. I mean, it, it may have, it may be all the way back to like Euro two thousand since we've seen an Ita- uh, Italian team like this attack. Um, obviously, not the same kind of players that that team had, but uh, it's been a long time since we could say that you know the Italian national team has been dominating midfield and, and looked like they were the best team by far on the pitch. Uh, Insigne went for an, a, a spectacular chip, uh, went over the bar just a little bit too much. Jorginho had another great chance that uh, forced a great save out of Chesney. Um, 
There was a nice layoff for Florenzi. He had a chance that Chesney saved. Chesney made some big saves. You know, you get to halftime and you are wondering, how is Italy not up 3-0 here in the first half? And then you go and you look at the stats at halftime, Poland, not one shot in the first half. Yeah. It was uh, pure domination by the Italians. Uh, Two things stood out for me in this game. Um, Not only the possession and and just attacking Poland at every turn, but the defense was actually pretty impressive as well as they they weren't giving up anything. As you said, no shots. Um, every time, uh, you know, Milik or or Zelensky or or Lewandowski tried to get it there, somebody was on top of them. Uh, Bonucci had a very good game. Chiellini, as always, Biragi, Florenzi looked looked pretty well there on the right side. So, um, overall, I was quite impressed with uh, the performance in the first half. It, you know, in in Poland, it's not like they played a B team. Lewandowski, mm-hmm. Milik, Zielinski, yeah. they they brought the big guns for this. And because uh, they had a lot to play for, knowing that defeat would mean they would be relegated to uh, Zone B uh, or League B, however they're calling it. Um, so there was a lot on the line here um, for Poland uh, under their manager, uh, Jerzy Breszczek, uh, who had just taken over from Adam Nabalka, uh, who had left after the World Cup after Poland had gone on the group stage. So much to play for for this side. And, uh, you know, an Italy team that uh, just – Again, controlled the game. Second half, uh, this is where Italy did get a little bit susceptible. They uh, Poland did get a breakaway um, uh, that eventually found its way to the left-hand side. Uh, one of the substitutes that came on in the second half, Grozitski for Poland, uh, has an effort that is saved by Donnarumma. The rebound by Milik goes way over the bar. So while we are excited about all of this attacking football for Italy, the intent is to the threat is still there going the other way for Poland. Yeah, and I think uh, a player like Rosicki was very... It, it showed where the weakness was, and he was able to get by the defense a couple of times, really, and, and cause havoc down there. Um, even though Poland's chances were minimized in this game, the chances they had were quite good ones, and you know, Donnarumma had to come up big on a couple of opportunities, and they also got lucky when Milik and, and I think Lewandowski shot it over the bar and stuff, so... Um, there's some stuff to work on for sure, but overall, I'm liking what I see from the team. More positives to take away than negatives, absolutely. You mentioned Zielinski. He did force a save, another save out of Donnarumma uh, in a pretty tricky situation. Um, Italy would go and make some substitutions, and you'd think, okay, all right, we've gone with this false nine. We can't get any goals. Uh, you think the likes um, of a Chiro Immobile would try to come on and solve this? No. Mancini goes to Kevin Lasagna, Richard. Kevin Lasagna. How about that? And uh, in the 92nd minute, a corner kick uh, flicked on by that man, Lasagna, and finished at the back post by Cristiano Biraghi to get Italy the deserved three points um, and uh, move them into second place in this group, send Poland to League B, uh, for the next time uh, the UEFA Nations League get up and running. So Italy, with this win, keep their place in the top flight of the UEFA Nations League. Uh, and also, Richard, they, uh, they give themselves a chance uh, to overtake Portugal and qualify for the semifinals this summer. Yeah, that's, uh, that's big. We weren't sure if that was going to be the case going into this, uh, you know, this, these group games against Poland and Portugal. 
Um, it started off a little bit slow there, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but if they win and Portugal do not beat Poland, Italy win the group, right? They have to beat Pol- They have to beat Portugal by two. Beat Portugal by two, and then Portugal can't win, right? Right. Something like that? And, okay. and Portugal have to fail to win against Poland. They get okay. Port- Portugal have both games at home. Um, Oof, no, tough. excuse me. They go to Italy. They, had, they host. Yeah, first one was in, in Portugal. Yep, they host Poland, then they travel to Italy. So, uh, so if they fail to beat Poland, then Italy, Portugal is for the group. And I can't remember which game is first. Um, it, and in fact, actually, I'm looking at it now. Italy will play Portugal first. Okay. Uh, so that is on November 17th, and then on November 20th, uh, Portugal will play host to Poland. Um, so, while there's a chance. I just think Poland is going to be in uh, what we call DGAF mode. <laughs> yes, uh, they um, will not. No, uh, they will not be caring much for uh, the result in that game at that point. They'll probably have right. Piatek playing, who should have been playing really in the other game. He's that good of a goal scorer. But um, yeah, they're not going to really care, and Portugal are, should should take care of business. All right, I'm going to give you some takes that I have from this, and then I'm going to let you have a chance to respond. Yep. Okay, first of all, I'm going to start with the manager Roberto Mancini. Um, he has my he has my utmost confidence after what happened in these round of internationals. Um, first of all, let's start with the 23 that he selected. No Andrea Bellotti, which was a point of contention last week. Yep. Roberto Mancini is making the decisions that Giampiero Ventura was either afraid to make or he was just too set in his ways. Okay. And he looked at an Andrea Bellotti and he said, you are not in form. You are not going. Okay. He looked at Mario Bellotelli and he said, I gave you a chance in the first game against Poland. You didn't do enough for me. You're not going. Okay. Um, he takes Chiro Immobile with him, but he says, I'm going with this. I think we can win with a false nine. I have Chiesa, Insigne, and Bernardeschi all in form for their respective clubs. I'm not going to sit one of them just to try to cram in a striker who can't score for the national team. Because let's face it, the strikers are none of the strikers have been able to come through here for Italy for how long? All right. Yeah. Um, you know, between Bellotti, uh, Immobile, um, you know, and uh, and uh, uh, who are the other ones? Balotelli, uh, you know, had his struggles. Um, they just haven't been able to find a striker to get it done for them. And the courage to put in Kevin Lasagna when a lot of people would have looked at that and said, this is Chiro Immobile time, get him in there. Uh, the courage to make that decision and look good. Roberto Mancini made some very, very good decisions here. Um, we have a midfield three now, Richard. Okay. I thought all three, Jorginho was a monster in the game against Poland. I thought he absolutely balled out and might be uh, in the conversation for you know, one of the best midfielders in the world at the moment. Um, and I'm not trying to be exaggerating. I'm not trying to get caught up in the moment or anything like that. I honestly believe that he's performing for Chelsea. He just performed really well for the national team over the course of two games, in particular the Poland game. Uh, the combination with him and Verratti playing to the side and maybe a little bit more advanced of him works. And the unsung guy of that three, Nicola Barella. Yeah. Cagliari, enjoy him while you got him. <laughs> because uh, he just he just showed he could play at a very high level around talented players. Um, and he is going to catch the attention of certainly the top clubs in Italy 
but he had he had an eye catching game here um, against Poland as well. This midfield three was fantastic uh, for the Azzurri. Um, got a little stretched at times, which led to a couple of Poland's chances in the second half. But when you are putting guys together and get it, you know, you're going to have those issues. So that's my take on Mancini. My second take is Italy Twitter, Richard. Okay. <laughs> a lot of moaning. What are you all moaning about? We are not, we as Italy fans have no right to moan about anything. Okay. Italy did not qualify for the World Cup. Okay. Mancini has been spending the last couple of months trying to figure out exactly what the right combination is for uh, his system and the way he wants to go about doing things. Okay. They absolutely dominate Poland. I go to Twitter. Italy Twitter, pretty much Richard. They just, they acted like, oh, we're just, this isn't good. We're not scoring. A lot of complaining about the lack of goals. You know what? The yeah. goals are going to come. The goals are going to come. This is a group that's trying to figure out how to get it done together. And these were two of the best performances that Italy has had in at least a couple of years. Uh, you have to go back to Conte's uh, Euro 2016 team. Yes. You know, to see, to, to, to have an Italy that you can be inspired about. Okay, so, and I said this on Twitter, I said to the pissers and moaners, go support somebody else. You know, we don't need you. All right. This is a process. And I see the same parallel, Richard, as I saw with Milan. It was a process. New, you know, a new striker, with, you know, Iguain, you know, trying to get it together. The performances are there. The chances are there. The goals aren't getting scored. And what's happened over the last three Milan games? Ten goals. Okay. Italy's eventually going to start scoring more goals. All right. This is a culture change for the for the Azzurri. This is a culture change um, for the men's national team, Richard. Okay. And this is not our dad's Azzurri. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. No, not you at know, all. This is not Catanaccio. They're going to go out and they're, they're going to go out and take the look to take the game to teams, and they're doing it in a very intelligent way. They're doing it in a smarter way than Ventura did it. And um, when they play the bigger teams, will they be a little more rigid? Of course. All right. But let's appreciate what we saw on the pitch with this Italy and have some comfort in the fact that it's getting better. The goals are going to come. And this is an Italy that's going to continue to reestablish its that, that is going to continue to reestablish itself. And I think it we're going to look at these two games, Richard, as the beginning of a revival for the Azzurri. Absolutely. I said a lot. Your turn. <laughs> Absolutely. No, this uh we'll start with this with your latter point. Um this team is certainly going to get better. They've looked quite impressive in the in the short time that Mancini's had the team. Um they're possessing the ball like they haven't done in years. They're 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 playing with intent like we said. Uh defense is there again. Uh, you know, there are some gaps uh that that Poland exploited um but it was wasn't that many. It was, you know, three or four chances. Really. And that's the other point I want to make real quick. You would have had to point Robert Lewandowski out for me in this game. I had no clue he was out there. Yeah. I mean, Grozitski was more 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 visible than he was, and he only played a half. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. just, that's just part of the point is that the defense is getting a lot better now. You know, Bonucci looked like he looked he looked competent back there, like his old his old ways almost, and you know, with with Chiellini there. Um, Beragi, I, I love seeing him out there. I wasn't sure how Florenzi was going to work back there, but it, it seemed to work. 
Um, and so the team is coming. It's coming. It's coming around. It's it's a process, like you said. They're going to score more goals. By far, to me, over the two games, Bernadeschi was the best player. And if he plays like that, and Insigne can find a way to play like he does for Napoli for the national team, and Chiesa keeps doing what he does, and then the rest of the guys contribute. I mean, you know that midfield we talked about. They're going to score goals. There's no way they can't. Um, I, I I have full confidence that Bernadeschi, if he keeps his form, he's going to become a, a good goal, goal scorer for the national team. As with probably I, Juventus, I, I'll, I'll I'll agree to Bernadeschi in the Ukraine friendly. I I, I think Insigne was better in the Poland game. Um, I think that Chie- I think that Chiesa was even a little bit better than Bernadeschi in the Poland game. But Bernadeschi played well in that game too. Yeah, no, but I thought fair. I thought Jorginho was the best player on the pitch in the uh, in the Poland game. Um, you know, full stop. So. You know, that's uh, that's just where it is. This is, you know, this is a process. Let's all embrace it. Let's, you know, come out of this international break feeling really good about the Italy that we have here now because it's going to continue to get better. It's going to continue to sort of work its way, uh, you know, to being back to relevance. This was a this might be this the foundation. This might be the step to a better Italy uh, going forward. So I'm I'm already looking forward to the, uh, you know, to the next round of internationals and when they play Portugal at home, because I think they're going to win that game against Portugal. you know, it's a matter of it's a matter of what Portugal the Pol, the Portugal Poland game, which I don't think I, I think it's a lost cause as far as qualifying for the semifinals. Like I said, there was a lot of doubters coming into the Poland game, especially in the English media, um, all the English speaking speaking media that, that were covering this game. They were saying, "Oh, Mancini's not the right guy for this team. Italy have been have been winless under his reign, other than the Saudi Arabia match." Blah 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 blah. But if you watch what he's done, he stabilized his team and improved upon Ventura's mistakes and, and mess that he left. Uh, this team, like you said, Vin- Mancini is the the guy right now. I, I have confidence in him as well. Um, the team is looking like it's going forward. It's progressing, and that's all we can ask at this point. The goals will come, but right now they're 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 playing very good possession, very attacking football, and I love it. Yeah, absolutely, um, and. Good for Cristiano, but I am so happy for Baragi uh, for the goal, um, the tribute to Astori. Did you see him do the one and the three with his yeah, hands? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know that's uh, that's fantastic stuff. But for a guy that uh, you know has really you know has paid his dues and worked his way into that uh, you know into that spot, and he offers a lot at that left back position. So it's uh, it's excellent to see, and I'm very happy for uh, for him. And I, you know, a goal worthy of his performance as well. I thought he played well in this game too. Um, Let's do quick ratings uh, of uh, one to ten of the starters, and then we'll move on from the Azzurri. And let's is start this for the Don- Poland game or, or both games. The Poland game. Okay. Uh, let's start with Donnarumma. Um, I am going to give him a seven. I'm going to give him an eight. Uh, didn't have to do much, but when he was called on, made two big saves, kept a clean sheet, which hopefully that translates over to Milan now as, as Milan <laughs> yeah. supporters. But. Um, this is this is this is a when you dominate a game like this as a goalkeeper, very very easy to to switch off. Okay, especially a goalkeeper as young as Donnarumma, and he didn't kept his poise, uh, made some critical saves, particularly on Grozitski and on Zielinski, uh, and uh, you know kept Italy in position to get the three points. So for that, he gets an eight. Um, Florenzi. Um, I'm gonna give him a six and a half just because. Grozicki Grozicki uh took advantage of him a couple times in in the second half and 
not to say that was his fault, but it came off the right wing, the the part of the field that he was covering. So uh, because of that, other than that, I mean, I like what he what he had out there, the way he played. I'm with you. Eight for the first half and then five for the second half because he had his issues dealing with Krasinski. Um, uh, Bonucci. Bonucci. I, I like Bonucci. I'll give him a seven and a half. Uh, I thought he was not old Bonucci, but he was better than we've seen in since the Juventus days. And, and uh, maybe it's playing with Chiellini again. I don't know. Uh, but he looked he looked pretty good. He made some key blocks in, in, in both games, really, but especially the Poland game. So seven and a half for me. Yeah, I agree. I like that number. And then also played a role in making sure that Lewandowski was awfully quiet in this game. Uh, Chiellini. Oh, Chiellini. Uh, he's a rock. Um, I'm going to give him eight and a half. Agreed. I, I don't need to. You're, 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 you're hitting the numbers that I was going to hit. <laughs> so I don't need to drag this on any longer. Biragi. Uh, Biragi, just because of the goal, I'm going to give him a nine because uh, it was a clutch, clutch goal. I mean, it had a, it had a good game, but he got a much needed goal, much needed three points. I'm going to give him the extra boost for that nine. Nine and a half. Uh, solid right. overall commitment. <laughs> solid overall commitment was one of the best players on the pitch. Um, so uh, so we'll go there. Uh, Verratti. Verratti. Uh, Played quite well. I enjoyed watching him, uh, him and his and his midfield teammates. I'm gonna give him an eight. I'll give him a seven. Um, I think the other midfielders were just a little bit better than him in this game, so I'll give him a seven. Jorginho. Uh, Jorginho. He was he was very very good, as you said. Um, you know, you said you thought he was the best player on the team on the pitch, and I mean, he, he, sir, I'm gonna give him eight and a half um, to keep him time with Chiellini, but uh, certainly. Uh, I can see how you get nine or more. Uh, nine and a half. I, you know, I have to have him. If I think he's the best player on the pitch, I at least have to match the rating that uh, I gave Biragi. <laughs> so we'll we'll go with that. Um, uh, Barella. Uh, Barella, I I like him again. Um, I'm gonna give him a seven and a half. <laughs> I'm gonna give him eight too. I'm gonna give him eight just like Verratti because uh, I like I like Barella on this team. I'm happy right. he's on the team. I'll give him seven and a half. Um, uh, solid. I mean, nothing. You know, nothing that really showed me that he was you know if there were weaknesses he overcame them uh which was which was good to see and if you uh, notice if you notice after the game all of a sudden the two big milan clubs are, are linked with him so is juventus so is manchester united all these teams are now all of a sudden linked with him and 50 million euros so we'll see but rightfully, yeah. rightfully so i oh, mean yeah. I, I just got done saying Cagliari, good luck keeping this guy yep and he, he came he, he's come through the youth system and, and that's going to be a very emotional decision for him to make uh, when the opportunity and the time is there for him to move on, so uh, so we'll we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Chiesa, uh, oh man, uh, Chiesa was was very good. Um, I I didn't like the the final third what I saw for the most part, so I'm gonna give him seven and a half. I'll give him a seven. Um, you know, uh, certainly, you know, yeah, the, the the final third, him in particular, somebody that I'd like to see a little more out of Fugiatsuri. Uh, but no, no doubt uh, the running and the uh, the work ethic that he gives that he gives to the shirt is uh, is quite impressive, and I think his number is up for that. Uh, Bernadeschi. I'm going to give Bernadeschi, even though he's not my highest rated player, and I thought he was one of the better ones. I'm going to give him an eight. Okay, seven and a half for me again. Um, better in the Ukraine game than he was in the Poland game for me, uh, but uh, but certainly uh, certainly played really well here. And then finally, Insigne. Uh, seven and a half. I'm gonna go eight and a half. He he uh he linked well, uh laid things off, put put people in position and good and, movement, and, good movement. And cr- 
yeah, created for other people. He looked like he really thrived in this role. Um, you know, where he just, he, he, uh, floated all over the place and Poland just looked like they had absolutely no answer for it either. So, um, so those are our ratings. Uh, how do you rate the Italy players in the performance against Poland? A big win. Go to at City I sit down or Twitter, uh, on Twitter or Instagram. Let's uh, press on. We're going to do a little segment called Over Under. I, I thought of this, Richard, about 20 minutes before we, we got on here and started recording. So, you know. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how it goes. Uh, so while it's kind of uh, thrown together, um, I think it's also a very valid and legitimate uh, uh, thing I put together here. So. I've got three topics, and uh, I'm going to set uh, some numbers here. And uh, Richard and I are going to give our take as to whether or not uh, that said topic will go over the number or go under the number. So we're going to start at the top with Juventus. Um, played eight, won eight in Serie A, Richard. They have 24 points, a perfect record, and it's very, very tempting to talk about uh, the possibility of can they be perfect? Can they be invincible? Will they go undefeated in Serie A? Um, you know, those are the kind of conversations that tend to start beginning uh, when you begin the season eight for eight, when you have a team of the quality of Juve and with what they what they bring to the table. So a perfect season, 38 games, 38 wins would be 114 points. I'm going to set the number at the magical century mark, 100. Will Juve go over or will they go under that? You know, this is this is an impressive team. They added obviously some great players over the summer. Um, however, the teams around them have also added players, and as the season go, goes on, they're going to be the chemistry is going to be building. They're going to get a lot better. I feel that because of these additions by these other teams, there's going to be more of a challenge to Juventus because of this. I believe it's going to be under 100 because I feel like Napoli, uh, even Lazio, but Milan, both Milan clubs, Roma, um, even Sampdoria, we, we've seen what they've done already this year to, to Napoli. So I think they're going to give some teams are going to give Juventus a run. Um, Juventus are not going to go undefeated. They're not, and I don't believe they're going to get 100 points just because of all the talent that is in Serie A. And, and there are very good tactician, tactical managers out there that will have, find ways to. To stifle Juventus here and there, not not double season. Juventus is probably going to run away with this title, but um, they're going to do enough to keep it interesting. I, I'm with you. I'm going to say under as well. Um, a hun- uh, first of all, a hundred's really hard to do for anybody. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, and I think in the time that you know, in all the years, I think I probably can. I think you can probably count on one hand how many teams in the major major five. Leagues across Europe actually broke that hundred. I know Barcelona did it. Um, I know I think Real Madrid did it. Um, Man so, City did it last year. Did Man City do it last year? Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's hard to do. It's really hard to do. Number one, I want to look at Juve's eight games. Okay, at Kievo, home to Lazio, at Parma, home to Sassuolo, uh, at Frosinone, uh, home to Bologna home to Napoli, and then at Udinese. So you look at their away matches. They Have have they gone really anywhere daunting? And they've been pushed at Parma and at Chievo. Uh, they were pushed in those games, okay? Um, at home, they have 
been resourceful and it's very, very hard to win at the J. They lost just two games there last season. And one of the teams that beat them at the J could not beat them there this year. That was Napoli. So, you know, so that's kind of corrected itself. You know, I think here that they have not played some of these other big boys, you know, and the ones that they have, they've had the fortune of being able to play them at home. So there's still Milan, there's still Inter, there's still Roma, there's still some really tough opponents here on their schedule that they've got to play twice. That's one thing. Second thing, this obsession with winning the Champions League is eventually going to be a distraction to the point where they're going to start dropping some points. Third thing, injuries. I mean, this is a long, long season. You know, right now everybody's managed to stay fit. They've had to work through some suspensions, but they're, you know, the injury bug is eventually going to hit. The depth's going to be tested. Allegri's tactical acumen, which is very, very good, is going to be tested as well. So for all of those reasons, it's hard to see them getting over 100 this season. Uh, you know, so while there's a lot of excitement and I've heard people talking about, well, can they go undefeated? Can they go perfect? All this other stuff like pump the brakes a little bit here. You know, I just ran off the schedule that they've played so far. You know, um, Lazio were very listless when they went there. Napoli had the red card, which obviously impacted the game because until then they had chances to try to get something out of it. So I don't think this is an invincible Juventus team. That said, I think that they're going to go under 100. But, okay, so let me pull the number back a little bit, Richard. 95. They're going to go over that? <sighs> what did they have last year? 93? They were in the, ni- they were in the 90s. Something, anyway. Uh, 95? I don't even think they're going to get 95. I honestly, I think I, I do think the competition is that, that it's closer to equal. I, I'm not going to say equal because UV are ahead of everybody, but... I think there are going to teams that are going to be challenging them, especially those top six or seven teams. Um, so I think they can steal points away from them. And then, I mean, yeah, they're going to beat up on the on the on the lower teams on the table, but those top teams are going to push them and maybe steal two, maybe three points from them. So um, I think it'll be under ninety five as well. Okay, I think they'll be over ninety five. I think they're going to be right in between ninety five, right in between ninety six and ninety nine. Is I think where they're going to end up to finish the season. I think they're going to win this title, and I think that that's going to be the number they're going to be at, some somewhere in there. So, um, you know, so it's it's fascinating because some of the talk is already starting, you know, listening to what some people are saying out there uh, when it comes to the old lady. But right now, I'm, I'm going to continue to temper expectations. Sounds like you are as well. You think they'll be under 95. I think they'll be over 95, but under 100. So I see that 96 to 99 range. Uh, for Juve at this point. So uh, we shall see what happens. Okay, over under topic number two, Richard. Um, the new scoring revelation in not only Italian but European football, Krzysztof Piantek of the Polish international who you referenced earlier when talking about Poland, Italy, uh, who is lighting it up for the Grifone at Genoa uh, through the first seven matches of the season uh, for Genoa. He has nine goals. Uh, on pace to score 43 uh very very impressive start wow i'm going to give you the next six games coming up for genoa and i do have to (laughs) confess that this is a bit inspired by a tweet i saw from adam digby so adam i'm not stealing from you i am just going to uh take your concept and, and and advance it a little bit further i like taking people's ideas and trying to add to them i don't like to just try to i don't i don't you know, I want to cite what they say, but you know how I do this, Richard, right? I do, so, yeah. So, 
Here's here's Genoa's next six games, Richard. At Juventus, home to Udinese, at Milan, at Inter, home to Napoli, and then the Derby della Lanterna against Sampdoria, where they are the home team. I'm that going to. It's a daunting schedule. I'm going to put the number at three. Does he Ooh. go over that or does he go under that? Three, huh? Um, that's going to be tough. Um, I look at Juventus right now. I see Juventus going to shut him down. Udinese, there's goals there. Milan, you don't know what you're going to get, but as of late, their form indicates that they're not going to give up much. Um, Inter as well, they can be also a little bit up and down, but form tells you that they're going to be pretty solid back there. Uh, Napoli are going to be very oppressive to them. They're not going to get much of, of the ball. He's not. Piatic isn't. Um, and then Sampdoria, the big big derby. Three, you said, right? Um, Three. I am going to go over. I'm going to give him four. Okay. I think, I think I'll get four. And I think it'll it'll come... You know, in the I don't think it'll be the Juve game. I think Udinese. There's some goals there. Um, one of the Milan games, he's going to get a goal. I think Napoli, no, but at the Derby della Lanterna, I think that game is going to be so so fire. The fireworks are going to go off in this, that game. Anything can happen, and goals can happen by both teams. And so, there, therefore, he'll be available to get some of those, you know, one or two goals there. So I'm going to go four over. Okay. I and you know what? I'm with you. I think he. I think he does. I think this kid's for real. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, t- I, he had over 20 goals last year. You know, so he's he has a proven track record, just not in Serie A yet. I'm not. I'm not going to rule out the possibility that he could sneak one in against Juve. Juve looking ahead to Manchester United in the Champions League. I'm not going to rule it out. I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm also not going to be surprised if it does. Um, so that's one thing to look at. Uh, the Udinese game, they a little bit more rigid defensively than I thought they were going to be under 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 Velasquez. They do show a little bit of resistance, but there's goals to be had there. Uh, the thing to worry about is the the form of uh, Simone Scuffet. He's pre- he's been pretty good uh, yeah. in the sticks there for the Fiuli. So at Milan, there's a propensity to concede goals right now. They play possession. They play expansive. They play. You know, they they play with big numbers, um, so you know. Having said all of that, I think um, that's uh, there's a possibility that a goal comes there. I you know, Inter, I think might be able to close them down once you know with players like you know Devry, uh, Devry, yeah, Stefan Devry, Skriniar. Uh, you know, if Miranda gets into that mix somehow, they've got the defenders to be able to deal with them as well. So, um, Napoli, we know Koulibaly's ability to keep center forwards in his back pocket. That's going to be the challenge. So, th- I, I think there's four goals in there somewhere uh, because I think that Darby della Lanterna, the, right now, the way it's shaping up, there's going to be a lot of goals. Okay, Genoa's not defending very well. The goalkeeping's all of a sudden terrible with Patty not there anymore. Uh, Sampdoria is capable of scoring, but that's an away match for Sampdoria, too. And we know how. You know, while it's in the city of Genoa, it still counts as an away match for Samp. And their away form kind of stinks. Uh, it did all of last season, and, 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 it, and it still does now. So um, I, see, I see four there. Why not? Why not? After these six games, played, you know, played 13, scored 13. Let's do it. You know, let's do it. Let's, uh, you know, this is an enjoyable one. So I think we're both over on this. Um, 
but uh, and, and and we're kind of on the same page with where we think the goals are going to come if he does get them. So, um, so I'm with you. I think I think four as well. Um, averaging a goal a game by the time he gets through that stretch. So, um, I definitely like that. And he's got some decent players providing him service. You know, Crescito coming the coming down on the left hand side. Uh, you know, is proving to be a nice uh, replacement for Lexal who left is obviously with Milan now. Um, you know, if he, he if he gets at thirteen and thirteen. That, you know how impressive that number is after going through pretty much all the big dogs in Syria and averaging a goal a game? That's amazing. I agree. Absolutely. If he gets there. But still, he's still having a great great start to the season. So, Yeah, and uh, and, and good for him. And uh, uh, the, the Preziosi family right now are, uh, are, are, are counting the money that they could possibly make off of him, maybe even ne- as early as next summer. Uh, we'll see. Just as long as he stays in Syria, he is a talent and Certainly excited to see what he's done so far. So that's Christian Piatek, and uh, this is a pretty Genoa-centric topic, Richard, because uh, the third uh, part of over-under is going to uh, be centered around their new manager, who is their old manager. Ivan <laughs> Davide Balladini got the sack over the international break. I called it. I said it over the uh, in the preview, but I think um, – did he get did 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 Balladini get sacked first or did uh, uh, Diana get sacked first at Kievo? It happened almost simultaneously. Honestly, um, I heard about the Kievo one first, obviously because Ventura's back. But um, I I believe they both happened on the same day, if I'm okay. if I'm not mistaken. So it was fairly well, close. Well, my words when we did the preview pod with Rosella and with Mark Neal uh, was okay. You just lost your best player who. Uh, kept everything glued together. Uh, Mattia Perin, um, Genoa are going to have their struggles with Marchetti, who couldn't even get on the pitch for Elazio that was conceding so many goals last year. Um, and now all of a sudden is going to be asked to be the starting goalkeeper for Genoa. And uh, when those things happen, the manager is the fall guy. And uh, Davide Balladini did take the sack. And Ivan Juric is back, Richard, in our lives for his third stint. As general manager, he's got compromising pr- pictures of the Preziosi family. That's the only thing I could think of. It's the reason why they keep calling him back. But <laughs> he also played for Genoa too. So, and I guess there's a, a little bit of a love affair. Yeah, a little bit of a love affair there. So, um, so what is the over/under question concerning Ivan Juric? I'll give you the number of matches that he was in charge at Genoa in his previous two stints. Uh, the first time around, he lasted 28 matches. Um, the second stint from April of 2017 through November of 2017, he lasted a grand total of 20 matches. I'll split the difference, Richard, and put the number at 24. Does Zurich manage more than that or less than that? Over or under 24? Um, he's going to go over. I think he's going to finish up the rest of the season, uh, which is going to be impressive for Preziosi to keep him that long. But... Um, after reading the comments, did you hear about the comments from the Ballardini and 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 uh, and Yurich about you know why he hired why he fired you know one guy and why he hired the other guy? Did you hear about this? Uh no, fill me in. So, uh, so I guess there was some video that leaked that said that heard uh, you could overhear Biragi talking to I don't know his teammates or something saying that uh, uh, I guess Ballardini stepped up to Preziosi and said, hey, if you want to manage this team. Why don't you put some more formation to play? Kind of like what Ancelotti has done with Berlusconi in the, in the past. And so I guess he didn't like that and he fired him. Ballardini said that it was a mistake that he ever hired him in the first place. And a lot of uh, a lot of sharp sharp barbs going at him 
uh, Bellardini saying, you know, he was he's a mistake. He doesn't know how to play. He's not a good manager at all. He's a great guy, but he's terrible at managing. He's like, I never should have fired Juric in the first place. And da da da. da. So, yeah, a lot of words going between the two, between the former manager and and the current owner. So, um, yeah, I guess he, you know, he he thought Juric was the guy the whole time, and he just thought it was a mistake to hire Ballardini uh, to start the season. So, it's very very interesting over there. And Baragi had to come out and say, you know. Hey, look, uh, you misunderstood, misunderstood what I said. I was just talking to some teammates over fantasy soccer, and we really all do support Bellardini. We feel sad for him. So it's quite the drama over in Genoa. Yeah, Crescito said that. He said that... Uh, that uh, Crescito, sorry, not, not Baragi. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, well, they both play left back. I can see how you can get confused. <laughs> so, but uh, no, Crescito, yeah, he had, he had said that he was sad for uh, Bellardini losing his job, so the players that really really had nothing to do with it. Who knows what's going on over there? Uh, but uh, so you say he's going to go over and finish the season. I do. Um, I am going to say under. Uh, only because of, um, I don't trust this situation. I think that there, you know, he's had 28 games and 20 games and, you know, and I'm not trying to go on this downward trend that he's going to be even under 20 games, but I just, I don't think that Genoa have a fixable situation here. Uh, when you consider their team, Richard, I, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, Piatek's, Piatek's going to score the goals, as we've been discussing, but that defense is brutal. Marchetti is way past it as a goalkeeper. There's really nobody else to step in in that position. I mean, it's a wonder that they have 12 points right now and are sitting in 11th uh, with that game in hand. But, you know, they still have that murderer's row of, of games that they've got coming up. And I don't know whether it's Urich, whether it's Balladini, you know, they're just they're they're too handicapped back there defensively and with the goalkeeping to be able to overcome it. And I think that they're going to find themselves having some real problems. And and eleventh is going to probably be fifteenth or sixteenth once they once they get through those six or seven games. Torino is also Torino is the seventh of those games, and obviously they've been having yeah. their problems as well. Um, so I think that he's going to have a hard time getting through this stretch, and then you know. It feels like the kind of scenario that once they get through that, when things start to loosen up and and the fixtures start to get a little bit easier, that the the players are going to have a psychological issue because they're going to play teams around them. And what if they concede a goal? And now what happens? And you know, well, let, how does well, let me Yurich ask you this: Yurich yeah. was was the the spearhead of the dentist chair, right? All this defensive football and 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 no, that was that was about any when he. Oh, it was Ballardini. Okay, never mind. He played, I was gonna... he, he, well, here's the thing. Ballardini, when he took over, he said, you know what, Mattia Patton is my best player, and I am going to play to the strengths of him as a goalkeeper okay. and gotcha. having a solid defense, and then I've got some strikers, guys like Pondev. And, you know, Laxalt was in the team who can come forward and create some things. You know, Hilliamar can do some things on some set pieces, and we can find ways to scratch out some results. So... And that's what gotcha, gotcha. you take Padding out of that equation and you put in a goalkeeper like Marchetti, who I, like I said, is just past his, you know, past his prime. Now you got to score goals to win. <laughs> yes. Now you got to score goals to win. And I don't Hopefully think. Hopefully Piazza can keep it going. I mean, right. We'll see what the kind of uh, strategy, uh, strategy, sorry, I can't speak English, um, that he's going to have in trying to get this offense, you know, continuing at the pace they're going or, or get better. 
Um, and we'll see what happens. Piatic will he continue his, you know, his his soar in Syria, or will it falter because of, you know, the tactics that Juric decides to employ on this team? So, be exactly, it's uh, you know, and I think Juric favors a more open and trying to go at people approach, which will suit a player like Piatic. Um, but can the team adapt, and how quickly can they adapt? Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's going from one extreme to the other. Um, you know, when you're talking about Genoa at this point, and I just, I don't think he gets past 24 games. Um, I, I think that, you know, he'll be in the low twenties, but I don't think he gets to 24. So, uh, I think that Genoa will, uh, try their luck with somebody else. They'll find themselves, um, you know, you know, in surviving in a very boring fashion. I don't think they're going to be a relegation threat anytime soon, but I think Preziosi is going to get bored and he's going to be reminded of why he sacked Juric the first two times uh, and um, and get trigger happy again. So you're over. I'm You're over. You say he finishes the season. I'm going to say under. So I think that's the first time we've disagreed on this podcast today, Richard. Lunacy. We should disagree more. <laughs> I know. It's, it's all chaos. It's all anarchy. So... Um, so those are the uh, three that we had for over-under. This is a segment that we'll try and do again. I think we, you know, definitely created some interesting discussion. Um, you know, we're going to get to talking, previewing uh, the next match week, match week nine, uh, small matter of the Derby della Madonina. But before we get to that, one other more interesting piece of news, Kievo, uh, as we mentioned, Diana was sacked and Giampiero Ventura is back in our lives. Richard, your thoughts. No. Well, I mean, he, it's kind of well, like yeah, a perfect... you're the Kievo guy. <laughs> well, I'm just saying for for Syria for Syria fans in general and Italian Grin fans. Grin and <laughs> um, I mean, it's kind of it kind of it's kind of a match made in heaven right here because it's Kievo who's uh, terrible and the Ventura who's terrible. So they're just gonna go get relegated together. I don't know. Yeah, he may change it around. Who knows with his very you know four two four whatever formation he wants to throw out there. But uh, Kievo need a lot of help. And I don't know if Ventura is the guy to do it. Um, he'll certainly bring something different out of the box for them. But, I mean, I don't know. Birsa is obviously a talented player. Uh, but they got, you know, older players. Players are not playing to their potential. They're certainly, if you look at their lineup, it's a team that shouldn't be at the bottom. But look at the way they play. And, and they they should have been relegated many, many times before. So this may be the year. Well, here's the thing. He could probably, with the personnel there at Kievo, you, he could conceivably do it. Yeah, oh yeah. Jacovini on one one flank, uh, Birsa on the other flank, and then you have Stepinski and and maybe Pelissier um, up front. So, yeah, I think he's got the personnel to do it if he really wants to go crazy and do it. Um, my take is this on Ventura. I mean, if there was going to be a Serie A job he was ever going to get, it was going to be Kievo. Um, I don't think any of the other clubs with the standing that they're in, not even Frosinone, would want to bring him on board. Um, I don't know about this maybe being last chance saloon for Ventura. I mean, part of me says yes because of his age. He's much older now. Um, this is his last chance. But, you know, this might this might work for him. At least uh, Gigi Del Neri, who brought Kievo to the top flight so many years ago, uh, certainly believes that Ventura is the right man for the job. He also says that Ventura was not the problem with the Nazionale, which um, that's nuts. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but, you know, he seems to 
Del Neri at least seems to have the confidence in Ventura to be able to do the job and, you know, and pull them out of this. So, you know, I, I still think Kiev were doomed for relegation. I just don't think that the uh, talent is there in the squad. But, you know, he did some decent – let's not forget, when he was at Torino, he did some decent things. And I think the work that he did at Torino is why he got the Azzurri job in the first place. The, the Azzurri job just ended up being way too big for him. Um, and Kievo might be a location where he could he could conceivably pull them out. You know, I don't think it'll happen, uh, but I also won't be surprised if he establishes some degree of progress with the Flying Donkeys, Richard. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's very quite possible, but... Um... Yeah, he'll have to certainly if he wants to erase the bad that he did at the with the Azuri. Sorry, Del Neri, but you're you're way wrong on this. Um, I think you know if if he does with Kievo, you know that that'll certainly be a, a good way to erase some of that national nationality um, bad player, bad managing that he had. Um, but I mean, we're never going to forget that, obviously. But you know, Kievo, they they have the talent there, and he can. It's very possible he can do it. So. Um, we'll see. Yeah, it's, it's. I will not hold it against him if he does does do that. But you know, part of me kind of want to see both of them get relocated. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. So, uh, so Ventura is back in our lives, and uh, be very interesting to see. Uh, right off the bat, gets another struggling team, Atalanta. So we'll see uh, how that one goes. Um, but uh, all right, so we've given our opinion. So let's ask you, go to, tw- go to at city. I sit down on Twitter or Instagram, Juventus, a hundred points. Are they going over that. Or are they going under that? Christoph Piontek, three goals. Is he going over that or under that over his next six games? Uh, when you consider the games, Juve, Milan, Inter, Napoli, all on that slate, the Derby, uh, Della Lanterna's on that slate as well. Um, and finally, Ivan Juric at back at Genoa over under 24 games. Does he go, does he make it past that number? Or will he fall short of that as general manager? Give us your opinions on that. We finish off with a preview of the Derby de la Marolina. All right. Uh, you know, one of the, uh, one of the historic derbies, not just in Italian football, Richard, but in all of world football, Inter, the Milan, uh, taking place on uh, Sunday, October 21st, at the Giuseppe Miazza. Uh, two teams that are starting to flash some good form, uh, that are starting to win games, that are starting to score goals. Uh, both teams are two for two in their respective uh, uh, European groups. Inter certainly more impressive with the wins over Tottenham and PSV. Um, but Milan, a game in hand on Inter and only four points back of Inter who are currently in third Milan sit in 10th. Uh, but, uh, again, four points separating third and 10th positions. Um, this without going too crazy and over exaggerating because we're both Milan supporters. I, this is the makings of the most anticipated Milan Derby. And I'd say at least the last five years. And it could be one that actually lives up to the hype as opposed to the ones in the past where we thought were going to be great and they end up not being as it'd be very boring. Um, I think it could be a very open game and a lot of goals. And this one, both teams are, are in very good form. Uh, Inter are in the top three, kind of like what we expected. Uh, Milan, with a win, would jump into the top five after the, the, the horrendous start that they have. 
Um, don't look out now. Inter only have two losses on the season. That's impressive, right? Milan surprisingly only has one loss on the season. As bad as they, we thought they looked, it was all doom and gloom. They only got they got three wins, three draws, and a loss. So um, this is an interesting game. They got a game in hand. Um, Higuain is scoring now. Of course, Icardi is as well. It's gonna be fun. And uh, could we see the start of Arturo Martinez in this one to add a little bit more spice into this matchup? Uh, it's 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 gonna be a rocking atmosphere for sure. I know what my answer is to this. Um, to this, Richard, I just wanted to hear your your take with Barcelona looming in midweek in the Champions League, and the position that Inter in right now in on the table, you know, in the city. I mean, excuse me, in the Champions League, played two one two uh, with a very good opportunity to qualify uh, for the knockout stages. Is is this Derby by chance a distraction heading into that? I think it is. And, you know, people are going to blast me for this because I, I love derbies. I love derbies. They're, they're, they're great to watch. Um, but if I'm, if I'm an Inter fan in this, I'm going to say, you know, let's try to get a decent result against Milan in the, der- in the derby. But I want to prove and show that this team is for real by beating Barcelona. And I want to put all my chips into that. Um, yeah, I, I understand how important these derbies are, and you want to be, do you know you want to one up your 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 rival city rivals in this in this case city rivals. Um, but I, and if it was me in the in Inter Milan's position, I'd want to show that you know this team is for real. We're going to go against Barcelona and we're going to get a result. You know, like they did against Tottenham, like they did against the PSV. Um, but that's just me. So it's, I think the derby is certainly going to be a distraction. How which way are they going to lean and put all their chips in? They're probably going to put their chips in both games, which is going to affect both games. Maybe not the Milan game, but it's certainly the Barcelona game. Um, but we'll see how Spalletti comes out with this lineup. But like I said, for me, I'd want to show that you know this team is for real and ready to take the next jump and go after Barcelona. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I want to hear your take on this. I'm going to say it's not a distraction. This is a derby, um, you know, and I think that. They're going to look at this and they're going to say one game at a time here. Um, you know, they have they, they they can't sidestep Milan because this is too important. Um, you know, they've got six. Inter have won six straight games in all competitions. Milan are undefeated in seven straight games in all competitions. You have some draws thrown in there. Um, I just when it comes down to the derby and you look at the passion with some of these guys play with and. You've got guys like Icardi who is going to be amped up for this. Uh, how many oh, of the yeah. Inter players have so much experience playing this Milan derby? Uh, Ivan Perisic will have a role. It's going to be Politano's first derby if he gets the, you know, if he gets the start. Um, you know, Skriniar has obviously has seen, has seen a couple of them. Vecino. Does Icardi uh, have the record in the derby derby for most goals, or is he tied with Shevchenko? I think Shevchenko still holds the record. Uh, I'm it's pretty close. It's close. So, I mean, you know, he's going to be amped up to try to beat the all-time, you know, leader in the derby. So yeah, you know, the opportunity to be called the best team in your city is 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 far too enticing. Even with Barcelona looming, I think they're going to be locked in on this game. I don't think that that's going to be too much of a distraction. Certainly, an interesting question to ask. You know, with the Blagrana looming for them in the Champions League. You know, and in the case of Milan, you know, they they get an extra day to have to you know, prepare the, their match against Real, Real Batiste. 
you know, in the Europa League, which will be a challenge for them as well. But, you know, there's a mystique to Barcelona that you just can't, you can't ignore. But I don't think these guys are going to look past the Rossinetti. Uh, I think they're going to be dialed into this one. They're going to get through those two hours, uh, you know, at the Miazza, and then they'll put their attention on Barcelona. So, um, Inter win if Inter will win if what? <laughs> well, it's it's being a being a dead horse, but I mean, Icardi shows up like he normally does in these in these games, especially this this f- f- specific uh, fixture. Uh, Paris that show up, um, and they find a way to shut on Iguain. I mean, he's been the hot guy for for Milan lately. Yes, you know, Suzo and and Chalanolu have been pulling the strings, but. Um, Iguain's been getting the goals, uh, so if they if Skriniar, Devry, Miranda, whoever's back there, they find a way to shut him down, and Icardi does what he does, Perisic does what he do, what he does, um, they're gonna have a a joyous joyous end to this one at, at the Inter side. I'm gonna say Inter win if they can gain a superiority in set pieces, particularly corner kicks, where I think they're gonna have an advantage over Milan. Oh, they do. Uh, I do too. I think Milan's corner defending has gotten a little bit better, uh, but still leaves a lot to be desired. And you've got corner takers like Politano or Condreva, whichever one uh, is in there. Um, and you have capable center backs who can score like Skriniar and De Vrij. So for me, that's a big, big problem for Milan. And I think if Inter win, they're going to win because they're going to they're going to get they're going to get one maybe off of a corner that's going to make a difference. Um, so that's a big disadvantage for Milan going into this game. Milan win the Derby della Madonnina if they can remain focused for 90 minutes. They have they have had spells where they've been terrific and then that moment of a lapse or something happens and then they score a goal. They they've been in games where they dominated the games. And then I'll say switch off for just a couple minutes and one or two goals go in. If they can stay dialed in for the 90 minutes, that's going to put them in an opportune position to, to win the game. Because when, when, when we've seen it. When they've dialed in, Suso's playing fantastic. Chalanolo's playing fantastic. Iguain's playing fantastic. Bilia looks decent. The defense looks decent. Donnarumma's making saves. But it's when they switch off. Anybody, and I mean anybody, can score on them. And we've seen it this season. So... That focus, Gattuso's got to keep them dialed in for the 90-plus minutes, maybe 95, 96, could be 99 minutes, who knows. Uh, they got to stay focused the entire time, and then if they do that, I think they have an excellent chance of winning. I will uh, I will say if Lucas Bilia can dictate things in the midfield, both with the ball and without. Um, he was a horror show against Napoli. I think he's an X-factor in this game. Um, he was the horror show against Napoli. Uh, he played better against Roma. Um, when you want to want to try to reference the key games that Milan have been in so far this season, um, if he can dictate things, move the ball, help dictate tempo, you know, deal with maybe some pressing that Inter are going to put on Milan, uh, you know, find Suzo, be able to do things from the middle of the park. I think this gives Milan a chance to win the game. Um, I find him to be a key in this one. Uh, I think Suzo might find himself having some issues with Asamoah if Asamoah ends up starting at left back. 
you know, if they start Delbert, um, that's advantage Suso. So that's another key thing to think about if, if uh, you know, seeing how Spalletti lines that team up. So um, he's also done it before where Delbert starts at left back and then Asimo actually starts in front of him as a left midfielder. And those two guys will operate and they'll double up Suso and try to make life hard for him. So watch out for that. Spalletti could throw that into the uh, into the tactics. But I think Billy is a very key and intriguing piece in this game. And I think he's got to be able to uh, get control of the game, get control of the midfield, um, be able to move the ball around, maybe be able to move Inter's defenders around and create some things. If he can do that, I think that's going to unbal- unbalance Inter and give them a chance to win. So predictions. Here we are, Tuesday. The game's five days away, Richard. <laughs> let's uh, let's put on let's try to predict with our minds and not with our hearts here. because um, we know what our hearts are gonna say. Absolutely. <laughs> our hearts I are gonna little, get I got a little red through. devil on my shoulders saying yes. Egoine Brace, Milan yes. win. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> so uh wearing the Serie A hat, what happens? Who wins? This is it's a certainly an intriguing matchup. Two teams in fine form. Two goal scorers who can obviously light it up as best as anybody in the world. Um, this game is going to be won and lost in that midfield. And, and last I checked, they had a guy named Nyangolan over there. Um, and, you know, Politano's playing obviously pretty great. Uh, I think it's going to be a fairly even match. It has all the makings of a draw. However, for me, the X factor is the guy who has stepped up over the last, I don't know, several years in this fixture. And I feel he's going to step up again late in this game, late in the game, and get a game winner. And that is Marito Icardi. So I got, I'm going to go three-two Inter. Okay, so you see goals in this game, three-two to Inter. Okay. Yep. All right. Um, I'm looking at this, and it's just on Google. It says the uh, win probability is forty uh, percent for Inter, thirty-two percent for Milan, with a twenty-eight percent chance of a draw. Um. I have gone back and forth trying to figure this one out, and I'm probably, you know, when I get to the Fearless Five, it might be a different prediction than what I offer right now. But um, I think this one's going to be a draw, and I think in the end neither team is going to be bothered by it. Um, I think Milan score early, um, and I think it's going to come from someone like Jack. Uh, I don't think it's going to come from Higuain. Um, I think that there'll be a, it'll be a situation where the attention is so much on Iguain that Bonaventura is going to be freed up and he's going to score one of those goals. He's going to sneak in and score a goal in the big game that, you know, when you're expecting it from a Suzo, when you're expecting it from a from Iguain, and then in steps Jack and he takes care of business. So he puts Milan ahead 1-0. Um, where I think, um, I think that corner defending is an issue and I think that that's where Inter is going to equalize. I don't know if it's going to be Icardi. Um, you know, I'll go ahead and I'll I'll just say it's going to be Divrai. He'll score in his first. He'll score in his first derby. Um, but I think it's going to be a it's going to be a grind. I think that these two teams are going to try to not give up too much against each other. Uh, I think it will be a bit of a battle for possession. And in the end of the day, I see a one-one draw in this game, and I see that being a result that neither team is going to be terribly inconvenienced by. So. I'll go 1-1. One, one. So let me ask you this. You say 1-1 one, one, and they draw, right? Yep. Um, and neither team's going to be bothered by this game. Who is going to be affected more 
going into the European fixture, you know, Milan has Betis and, and Inter have Barcelona. Who is affected more from the game? Anyone? Or do you see or do you see someone struggling more? Yeah, Milan will have another day, you know, day advantage over or day or two advantage over over um Inter. However, um yeah, they're both both tough games. Obviously Barcelona's a, a tougher game, but that doesn't mean anything. And, and we saw what Inter done against Tottenham, so logical say Inter because they're coming out of they're coming out of the, you have to come off the Derby and then all of a sudden you have to wake up the next morning and start preparing for Barcelona. And you have two days of training to do that. You know, you have a day of training, you know, at home and you, is, is the, are they, or, or do, is it a home game against Barcelona on match day three? Do we know that? Uh, let me check. Uh, I'm actually pulling it up right now. It is. It's a home game. No, okay. it is not. I'm sorry. They're at the, they go to the camp. No. So yeah. So, Oh, Monday the twenty second. They'll train. They'll go through things in Milan, and then they've got a on Tuesday. They're going to be on the plane to Barcelona. You know what's you know what's you know, it's funny how the how the soccer gods work. It's lo and behold, you know, a big game for Barcelona this weekend as well. They play Sevilla, who is number one in the La Liga right now. So it's not necessarily going to be easy for them going into the Champions League game. So yeah, but that. they're going to have the comfort of being at home. They don't have to leave their country. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, and I think that that works for them in this particular situation. So where Milan, they host Real Betis, you know, so they get the extra day and then they're going to be hosting. So uh, Inter will certainly be more impacted because it's a short turnaround. They have to go to Spain and, and all of this other stuff. So I think that there's going to be some issues there. And, and I think that Milan will, will take the draw. They'll put their attention to, uh, you know, trying to lock up another three points against Real Betis. So, um, you know, that's at least the way I foresee how, that is uh, going to work. Um, I'm going to just take one quick look uh, uh, at the rest of the uh, match week nine slate. I know that uh, we mentioned Juventus is going to host Genoa um, on match week nine, that that is actually going to kick off proceedings. as he, Actually, it's going to be the second game. Uh, Roma will be playing Spal. Uh, Udinese hosting Napoli. Um, so it's Roma Spall, Juve Genoa, Udinese Napoli on Saturday. And then on Sunday, it all begins with Frozenoni and Empoli. Ooh. Who's going to wake up for that around here? Um, <laughs> you will. You'll have the, the baby will be up. You might as well watch. Yeah, Empoli is not bad to watch. Frozenoni, that's a different story. Yeah, well, Bonetti's, gonna ha- ben- Bonetti's got to do the uh, uh, analysis because uh, that's the main ESPN game. Uh, they got to get their act together about the main game. Um but, you know, I also get it. There's a lot of other sports that ESPN prefer to cover on their main channels. Uh, Bologna, Torino, Chievo, Atalanta, Parma. Oh, Parma Lazio is going to be fun. Yeah. Uh, Fiorentina, Cagliari, uh, Milan Derby. And then on uh, Monday, uh, Sampdoria and Sassuolo. Uh, that should be another good one. So uh, there's going to be a lot of goals this weekend, Richard. It would appear so. Let's hopefully we get back to the, our scoring ways. Um, it's been uh, in the twenties for the last couple of weeks, so let's see some thirties in here. I think we're going to be in the thirties because when you're talking about the, you're talking about Parma Lazio. First of all, uh, I see goals there. Uh, I see goals in that Sampdoria Sassuolo game. I see Fiorentina hosting Cagliari and putting up a good number. Um, you know, against the Sardinians. So uh, I, I think your boar fests are going to be Bologna Torino. Um, 
and uh, Frozenoni would would like the game to be boring. I think Empoli is going to find a way to win that. So, uh, but uh, certainly going to be some certainly going to be some interesting games. But basically, the way this slate set up, I see a lot of goals in it. So it should be an exciting weekend for City. Ah, the first one since the international break. Um, and I think with that, we're putting a bow on this edition of Serie A Sit Down, Richard. Uh, anything, uh, anything you want to plug? Um, nothing really to plug. You know, it just uh, <laughs> life's been crazy. My my Braves are out now. Uh, DC Nine is about to be in the playoffs, hopefully. So it's it's been crazy times. And then, uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just excited for European soccer to be back in in back playing because I'm I'm tired of these friendlies and all this other stuff. Even though I'm starting to like them, I'm coming around. But nothing beats a good, you know, Syria game or any other big European game. So, well, I'm enjoying the UEFA Nations League. I think it's a, it's a, it's an interesting twist for these international breaks, and certainly keeps me compelled. Uh, um, I am at FTC underscore twenty one on Twitter. Richard, where are you on Twitter? At R underscore K H A R M A N. Excellent. Uh, Fearless Five will definitely be up on Twitter. Uh, so look out for that thread. I, I'll see if I can do a video on that this week. It's 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 all been getting away from me lately, uh, but uh, I'll uh, have a little gander at these games, give you my lock, give you my shock, and make three other picks. Twenty four out of thirty five, by the way, Richard, um, on my picks uh, for that a sixty nine percent clip. So pretty um, good, pretty yeah, good. yeah. If if, every, if somebody was investing in those, they're certainly ahead. Um, They've gotten a nice return, and uh, if you have been investing on those picks, uh, send me a cut. Um, <laughs> At FTC underscore 21. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, um, yeah, uh, Calgio Consultant continues to be on hiatus. Uh, just uh, just don't have the time to, to, to put together a blog piece. I haven't had anything that's inspired me to write on top of it. So um, at some point, I'll, uh, I'll take a look at that and go through it again. But uh, in the meantime, uh, you, you can go to At City I Sit Down on Twitter. Uh, follow us there. Follow us on Instagram at City uh, Sit Down. Uh, we have our own channels on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud. You can find us on Stitcher Radio. Uh, check us out there. Subscribe there. Check out our YouTube page, even though we haven't put anything up there lately. Check it out anyway. Um, and uh, that's where you can find us in the uh, uh, in the realm of social media. So. Uh, check all that out now um sunday we have the derby della madanina and programming note uh because it was something i was working on while we were recording the city i sit down uh nima tavali from sempre inter uh will be our guest uh so we will have a meet we have a milan and an inter perspective breaking down derby della madanina so do look out for that until then um for richard i'm frank this is steady i sit down we do thank you for taking the time to listen to us. And as always, be sure you're telling your paisans about us. Ciao.